Hi, welcome to Weird and Wacky Tales with Gia. I'm your host Gia, and on this podcast we cover mythology and true crime cases. Um, so today's stories are going to be about Doom Love Stories Part 2. These are four other stories that I've collected. Um, based on my past episodes, my dad has listened to them, by the way, and I feel the need to reiterate this. If you are Greek, I honestly, these are this is just me retelling stories that I've heard. So I do not mean to offend anyone who is of Greek descent or has grown up with these stories. I'm just retelling them based on what I've heard in my life. And by no means am I licensed to tell any of this. So these are just me telling the stories that I've heard from Greek mythology or the versions that I've heard. Just wanted to put that out there. Let's get started with our stories. Um, we're first going to start off with this really cute gay ship. Uh, Apollo and Hyacinthus, and I have covered in the previous Doom Love Stories episode, which was episode 5, that, um, you know, Apollo, I feel like, was probably the most, like, flamboyant in the fact that he was, I'm pretty sure, if you could put a label on him, which obviously we shouldn't put labels on people, but if we did, he would probably be Pan. So, in this story, pretty much, Hyacinthus is this beautiful Spartan man, and he was loved by Apollo, and they were such a cute couple, and they, like, were so in love. Uh, there are two variations of the story, so I'm going to tell both. Um, in both versions, I'm going to put that out there, Hyacinthus dies, and this, the two versions paint the different ways that he did. So, version one pretty much paints the scene as this horrible accident. So, Hyacinthus is an athlete and he loves sports so one day the pair like goes to like throw discus because that was like a big like thing back then like you you know you liked playing frisbee but like this was like a legit discus like a stone circle and you would throw it to each other so um Apollo goes first and he threw the disc up um based on the source that I read this from they said to scouter the clouds he used that lightly it was like a joke and so he sent this like took this as a joke and he went to go catch it but then he got hit on the head with it and because it's a stone circle he's obviously gonna die the sad part about that is that he sent this uh died in apollo's arms while he tried to save him this happens in both versions so keep that in mind in version two it was more of a crime of passion so in this version not only was apollo in love with him but also zephyr was the west wind because he saw how close the two were, he grew extremely jealous and deliberately blew the discus in his path, pretty much killing him in this old-fashioned twist of, like, if I can't have him, no one can. Um, either way, he dies in Apollo's arms, and after he dies, Apollo turns his lover into a flower. That's the story of Apollo and Hesynthus. It was a really cute gay ship, but obviously it didn't end the way I wanted it to because it's just so sad and heartbreaking. But we're going to move on to a bit of a longer story. This is of Orpheus and Eurydice. A lot of people know this story if you're into um, pretty much like Greek mythology. Like if, even, if, even if you're a beginner, this is like one of the first love stories you've ever heard. Mainly because of just how dedicated these two were to each other and like just how tragic the ending was. So Orpheus is the son of Apollo and he was given this lyre by his dad. And pretty much this became his weapon because no one could resist his music and he eventually fell in love with a nymph by the name of Eurydice and they had like a really pretty like marriage and like they lived happily after they got married however there is a god called Hymen who is the god of marriage 
he predicts that their happy life was not going to last very long and something bad was going to happen. So in this part of the story, there are two variations. I'm going to say both. So one source says that she was wandering in the woods with her nymph friends, and she is seen by this shepherd named Aristius, and I'm pretty sure none of you are going to like him. If you're Greek, I'm so sorry. I don't know if I said his name correctly, but it's spelled A-R-I-S-T-A-E-U-S. Depending on how you um, pronounce that, I'm just going to call him the shepherd because I honestly do not know how to pronounce his name. So the shepherd sees him, sees her, and kind of like started like sexually harassing her essentially because he kind of made advances, like unwanted advances towards her, and then he starts chasing her. And then another version says that she was just dancing with her friends. And either way, either if she was fleeing or she was dancing, she was bitten by a snake and she died instantly. Now Orpheus finds out the news and he is devastated. He sinks his grief with his lyre. And because his lyre pretty much influences everybody, everyone's moved to tears. Like even the gods, um, the furies down in hell, everybody is like completely like moved by his emotion. And... He uses that to his advantage. So he decides to descend to hell to see his wife. Or the underworld. I should say it's underworld because it's not really hell. All the dead people go to the underworld. So Orpheus decides to go to the underworld to see his wife. And he was protected by the gods at this point. So he didn't die during the journey to the underworld event. Like if you're a mortal and you go to the underworld and you haven't died yet, you'll die on the way. That's just the only way you can go there. Because he had this liar and he's so influential, he ended up attracting everybody in the underworld. And he later presents himself to Hades himself and plays his grief out to Hades and pretty much just moves him with his emotion. And Hades is enchanted because he's like hearing all of this and he's like being affected by how Orpheus is feeling through his music. And he tells Orpheus, look, I'm going to let you take her because I feel for you, you know, but there's only one condition. You can go with her, but she has to follow you while walking out and you can't look back at her. You're just going to have to trust the fact that she's coming out of this with you. And obviously he's like, totally, that's so easy. I can do that. And it was like pretty easy in the beginning. He thanks the gods. He starts walking up. And after... But, like, after a while, he begins to feel like, did they, like, play me at this? Because he couldn't hear her footsteps, and he can't feel her his her presence around him. And eventually, he loses his faith, and he turns around. And Eurydice was behind him, by the way. The gods did not trick him. But because he failed the task, he, she was just taken back to the underworld, and there's no takebacks. That was his last chance, and she cannot come. So, he tries to return to the underworld... But that doesn't work because mortals can't enter the realm twice unless you're dead. And it really hurts. Like, he starts playing a morning song with his lyre. He's pretty much asking for death at this point. He's just like, kill me so I can be with my wife. Um, it's either assumed that the beasts of the underworld killed him or that the Maenads, who are like the devotees of Dionysus, they're pretty much these like nymphs who joined him and they kind of like I wouldn't say they're crazy but they're like a little bit you know they have a few bolts loose and they're like drunk all the time but that's because they like do it in debauchery so um the maenads either either the beasts of the underworld killed him or the maenads did in a very frenzied mood um it was even assumed that zeus pretty much killed him to make sure that he wouldn't reveal the secrets of the underworld to humans but either way he died but um this is where the dick move comes into play. 
he was beloved by the muses because the muses are the gods goddesses of like inspiration and like art and writing and all that jazz like they they like help foster creativity they saved his head which means technically he's not dead so he can continue to sing to the living which is so sad because like legit like that's that's not cool he literally asked for death and they're like sorry we can't give that to you we kind of need you around i'm gonna take your head now like that's just why it's a very sad story i feel super bad for the couple because they seemed really happy but next story pyramus and thisbe if you've read romeo and juliet this is actually really similar um this is like the original romeo and juliet yet again i don't know a lot i'm i'm literally just reading this stuff so pyramus and thisbe lived in houses with connected walls and were pretty much forbidden by their parents to be wed because their parents hated each other now this connected wall had a crack in it and that pretty much allowed them to talk back and forth and like telling them telling each other they pretty much never met they were like they like kind of like their families hate each other but the children themselves never met they kind of like just talked to each other between the wall and they kept telling each other like i'm so in love with you we should meet up sometime one night they arranged to meet at this tomb of a man called ninus i think at the ninus ninus uh, they arranged to meet at this tomb of a man called Ninus under a mulberry tree and pretty much just proclaim their love for each other, make it cute, you know. Thisbe arrives first. She's the girl. Um, but when she gets there, there's a Linus with, like, a bloody mouth. And she gets scared because, like, obviously it's a Linus and could kill her. And so she runs. Um, after she runs, Pyramus arrives and he sees the lioness with the bloody mouth. And he's like, oh, my God she's dead the lioness ate her and let me let me add another set of evidence for you as to why he thought that why she while she was running a piece of her cloak came off like it got ripped and it was just left behind so he automatically thinks she's dead and very in a romeo-esque type fashion he kills himself with his own sword and this his blood essentially turns the originally white mulberry tree a darker shade and he's dead. I'm, I'm, Pyramus is dead. Thisbe returns, and she's like, oh my goodness, my boyfriend's dead. And she's like, I can't live without him. So she stabs herself as well, Juliet fashion. Now, before that happened, the gods had been listening to Thisbe mourning, because um, she was, like, distraught before she actually killed herself. And after she also died, it darkened the mulberry tree even more. So, as a result of their forbidden love and like just in general how pure their love was for each other the gods officially changed the color of the mulberry fruits into a blood-stained shade in order to honor their love which is kind of like sentimental and like kind of cute but like honestly yet again y'all you need to wait around for each other that is just impatience at its best um, now I'm going to end this podcast on a happier note. This also has a lot more LGBTQ presence in this because, um, originally this was a lesbian couple and then it became pretty much not a lesbian couple because one of the girls was trans. One of the guys was trans. I should say the guy is trans because he's a guy now. Okay, cool. Um, this is the story of Iphis and Ianthe. Uh, cute couple. Very cute couple. Oh my goodness. So, 
Iphis and Ianthe revolves around Iphis, who was originally the daughter of a poor couple, but turned son, and Ianthe, the daughter of a man called Telestus. So Iphis' parents, um, Ligdus and Telesusa, were poor and couldn't afford, like, a dowry, which is, like, a, a groom price, um, if their child was a girl. So Ligdus came to the logical decision of, yet again, like Cronus, killing the baby if it ended up being a girl. Telesusa was obviously, you know, she's a mom, and, like, once a mom has a baby, there's an emotional bond there, so she's like, do not kill my child, but he was like, I'm adamant, I will kill your kid if it's a girl. Um, she's terrified, because she's like, I don't want my kid to die, but later, she was visited by the Egyptian goddess Isis, and Isis in Egyptian mythology is the goddess of motherhood, magic, just in general, like she's the queen of the gods as regarded because of her seat next to Osiris. We'll get into Egyptian mythology later. That requires a lot more delving deep because their family tree is even more messed up. Um, Isis essentially tells her, like, no matter what the kid turn out to be, I will help you. I feel for you, you know? My kids, they're kind of weird too, but like, I'm going to... I'm going to stand up for you. So Telesusa ended up giving birth to a girl who was Iphis, but in order to save the kid, she concealed the sex from Ligdus, raising Iphis as a boy. So, like, Iphis was, at this point, gender neutral, because, like, you know, she's kind of, like, in the middle. Um, as she grew up and reached adolescence, Ligdus was like, okay, well, my son should marry this girl, Ianthe, who's beautiful maiden, Okay. Ianthe fell for Iphis because she thought, you know, he was, well, she thought Iphis was a dude, and that was, like, that straight thing, like, you know, like, Iphis was a man in her eyes, so she's like, oh my god, so in love, but Iphis was also in love with Ianthe, which means, you know, gay, uh, which was not acceptable back then, so she knew that it would be impossible to actually marry her because they were both actually women. So Telesusa brought her then daughter Iphis to the temple of Isis for help, and Isis ended up turning her into an actual man. So that is why I referred to Iphis as a he, because he's a man. Um, and they ended up getting married blissfully, and they were like very happy with their marriage. Uh, it was overlooked by Juno from Roman mythology and Aphrodite from Greek mythology, so cute. Like, I just wanted to end the story there because, like, first of all, LGBTQ plus representation and just overall a happy ending. Yeah, that is the end of our Doomed Love Stories series. Just such a cute story. Um, I hope you guys enjoyed. Um, next week, we're going to be talking about some more fun stuff. And yeah, COVID is still prevalent. Please, 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 please wear a mask, wear gloves, sanitize, stay six feet away, don't go outside, don't do it. Um, Black Lives Matter is still prevalent. Please, 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 please support the movement. It's not really gaining traction because, yet again, the White House is not acknowledging it when it should be. So, yeah, let's... Let's let's drive home the power, y'all. Let's let's make sure they understand that this is not acceptable. Their treatment of black people in our society um, is not acceptable. And yeah, we should stand up for them. Also, defund the police. They're gaining way too much power in trying to police free speech at protests that are peaceful. So that's two. Um, stay safe. Stay sane. Stay sanitary. I'll see you next time. And bye.